Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. I was standing down here with him, and I, I, I wobble. I feel like a weeble. Uh, I wobble, but sometimes I do fall down. And I told uh, Nick not to try to catch me. He goes, I can. No. Um, well, I can, I can carry 250 pounds, so that's good. But it's, there's a difference in catching and carrying, just so you all know. It is good to be with you. And you're going to get tired of hearing this. But January the 18th, the body needs to show up. Now listen, uh, the, body, the Bible describes us as the body of Christ. And I pray that we would be the eyes of Jesus as we see Garvin Street and Evansville. I pray we would hear, have the ears to hear what God has for us in the days ahead. And when I say us, uh, I, 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 Annalise and I are just, our membership just happens to be someplace else right now, but grace is home. So when I say us and we, I hope you all understand that. I pray that God would give us the feet to go and to do what, what he's called us to do in Evansville and across the globe. Here's what we do not need. We do not need an appendix. The appendix, all it does is swells up, blows up, and kills everybody. We do not need the armpits because life stinks enough as it is. Uh, I have never had anyone say, well, Brother Rick, I'm just the belly button. Listen, once you're born and you're out of the hospital, the belly button's done all it's ever going to do. Unfortunately, that might describe some of us. And I pray that it doesn't. So please, again, as Dr. Reeder has shared, and he will share this uh, next week as well, uh, if, you are going, if you feel led to nominate someone for the search team, please go to that individual first. Please get their uh, permission. And uh, just know, uh, after 20 months with Southwood Baptist Church being their interim, um, the search team has the second most important job in the life of any New Testament church. And uh, long hours, lots of meetings. The good news is, in this day and age, a lot, of the, a lot of the interviewing type stuff can take place online or Zoom or other avenues. But please be here on the, on the 18th to share, to pray. One of the things we will do every service I'm with you, we will be praying uh, for a team that has not even been uh, elected yet. Uh, because guess what? God knows who you are. 
and we're going to talk about the, the next pastor at Grace here in just a little bit. Uh, take your Bibles if you have them. It'll be up here on the screen, and uh, we'll be in Matthew. First of all, they're in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, and it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that bringeth forth its fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. Matthew, and we'll get to Matthew here in just a minute. At the river house where I grew up, uh, my parents uh, had a place on Nolan River uh, just outside of Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And I spent my uh, elementary and middle school years going to that camp every weekend with my parents. And one year, my father gifted me a 22 rifle for Christmas. Uh, that's unheard of in this day and age. That's when we had sense. Anyway, right behind the, the house, there, it, it was only probably 25 or 30 yards from the cabin to the river, uh, right where we had built a boat dock, there is a sycamore tree that has been there long before I ever came along, and that sycamore tree acted as my target stand. I can't tell you how many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rounds of 22 long rifle, 9 millimeter shotgun. I can't tell you how many rounds and how many times that tree was ever hit. But today, I was down there probably a year and a half ago just looking at the remains uh, of what used to be a very beautiful place. And that sycamore tree, Ron, is still standing. It is there. It has grown. Uh, there's, there's not three men in this church this morning that could join me that could reach around its girth at the bottom. And it is continue to grow. Here's why. Immediately beyond that tree is the river. And for all of these years, I would suspect that tree's got to be a couple of hundred years old. For these centuries, that tree has drawn its success and its health from that soil. It is that tree that is planted by the river's edge. I share that with you to say this morning, Grace Baptist Church is that tree planted by the river's edge. Uh, listen, I'll, there's nobody in this place that loves Pastor Ray Dieter any more than me. But I'll tell you what, Grace was here a long time before Pastor Ray was here. We're going to be here a long time after we're gone, not because we're not based on pastors, we're based in the living Word of God planted by the river. And so I want you to, today we're going to talk about this because I want us, I want us to get beyond the hurt because some of us are still hurting, amen? Some of us are still in shock, amen? Some of us are still stunned. Some of us are still wondering what in the world is going on. I want to tell you, to the best of my knowledge and knowing Pastor Ray Dieter, the will of God is what's going on. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude had gathered uh, together uh, to him. And so that he got into a boat, and he sat, and the multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables. Now, you know a parable is a heavenly story with an earthly illustration, right? And he spoke to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out, and he sowed some seeds, and it fell by the wayside, and the birds came and plucked them and devoured them. Some fell in, in the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up uh, because they had uh, no depth of earth. But then the sun comes and scorched them, and, and uh, because they had no root, they withered. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them out. And others fell in good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who hears has ears to hear. Let him hear. Verse 18. 
Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When some, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, this is, the, this is when the wicked one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it and, and with joy. Yet he has no root for himself but endures only for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, he immediately stumbles now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed on good ground, he is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Father, this morning we love you. And these, as Brother Robert has said, these are some strange days in the life of Grace Baptist Church. But Father, we've been in this same spot several times before, and you have always been faithful to show up and show off and do in the life of this church what only you can do. And so Father, this morning we thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for the river's edge that we are planted by as a church. A hundred years. Uh, oh, the history the church has seen. And yet here we are. So, Father, I pray you'd have your way and will in each of us this morning. Forgive us where we have sinned against you. Forgive us where we have failed you. And, Lord, uh, we count it all joy to be gathered in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. As Nick shared, it, we're, we're starting just a, a short four-week series this week entitled Rooted. This week we're looking at the, at the theme of being planted. Uh, and uh, several mornings a week, I have the privilege to go to the Monrovia Cafe, the Monrovia Family Cafe in the little town of Monrovia. This is just up the road from the camp. Uh, I've, I've eaten there uh, off and on uh, the entire nine years that we've been at the camp, but only in the last year or year and a half have I been invited to sit at the mayor's table. Uh, if you don't know what this is, it's also known as the liar's table. Uh, when I moved over, when I was invited to come, uh, we changed it to the table of truth and knowledge. And uh, anyway, I, I have the privilege to go and, and eat breakfast up there uh, several mornings a week. And it's really turned into a, a ministry for me. Uh, I am often asked, hey, Rick, would you pray for my mom? She's sick. Hey, Rick, would you pray for my brother? Would you? And so it is well worth the time and the money that the Lord has given me to, to invest in that place uh, just because. And one of the great th uh, benefits of it uh, is the language at the table of truth and knowledge changes when I'm sitting there. Uh, occasionally Annalisa will, uh, doesn't have to be in to work until late, so she and I will go and we usually sit at a booth. Uh, when I'm not sitting at that table, the language is uh, fruitful. But I have the privilege to meet with these men. Some of them are businessmen. Matter of fact, two of the men that I have breakfast with on a regular basis are two of the wealthiest men in our town. 
The others are farmers and laborers. And this is what I found out. And I, I thought it was just, just ideal for, for our time together today. Not a single one of the farmers uh, that grow crops, corn, soybeans, whatever, not a single one of them, when it comes planting season, they don't just go out and they don't just throw the seed out and say, there you are, Do, hey, whatever happens, happens. You know why? Because their livelihood is based on the yield of that seed. Their livelihood, they're keeping their family afloat, they're, they're keeping their farm afloat is based on the productivity of that seed. And I want to share with you that I believe with all of my heart today, what Jesus was talking about there in the parable, the quality of the soil of our hearts will determine the success of the gospel seed that is planted in us on a daily basis. A couple of things I want you to see about this. I want you to see four things about the, the, the condition of the heart that Jesus was talking about there. Number one, he, was, he, he talks about a hardened, oblivious heart. This is a heart that, has, that gives no credence, no place for the gospel seed to take place. I want to tell you, we all were there at some time or another in our lives. It, uh, let me, let me, I don't want to offend anybody. If you were born saved, just raise your hand. If you were born with the gospel already planted in your heart and you already knew the scriptures and you already knew Christ, would you just raise your hand this morning? If you raise your hand, you're going to come finish this message because I need to go out there and repent. But the quality of the seed is determined, the quality of the outcome, the, the yield of the seed is based on the quality of the soil in which it's planted. And in this day and age especially, we have folks who have hardened their heart to the gospel. They are oblivious to the fact that we are all sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all uh, deserve hell. Uh, one of the things I will never, ever forget ever, is every morning when I would see Brother Jerry Duncan and he would come in there and sit down and I'd say, Brother Jerry, how you doing? What did he say? Better than I deserve. Beloved, can I tell you, every day you and I are better. We are doing better than we deserve. But there, there are those hearts that are hardened. There are those hearts that are, that are absolutely oblivious. Well, Brother Rick, what causes that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, there are hearts that are hardened because there are lost folks on the outside of the four walls of this church and every church in America that have seen some of the junk that takes place inside the four walls of the local church. And you know what? Every church is going to answer for that one day. Maybe they have seen the garbage in the lives of church members. Maybe they are victims of the come as you are. Let me explain that. Back when the pew was back where Nick and the young man are running the camera, if you remember, that was always my seat. Charlie Wolfinger would sit there, Annalisa typically would sit there. One day a gentleman comes in, I have never seen him before. He comes in, and he comes and he sits about right over here, about to the, my right of Miss Ellen. And he has the audacity to be wearing a baseball cap. 
someone comes to me and says, you go tell that man to take that cap off. Yes, sir. I will do. Actually, I did what any good associate did. I said, I'll tell one of the deacons to do it. (laughs) And so I did. I leaned over to Charlie Wolfinger, who was sitting next to me, and I said, Charlie, at 1230, I want you to go tell that man to take that hat off. Do the math and the time. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? At the end of that service, that man gets up, walks around, comes down to the, the middle aisle here, and falls on the neck of our pastor, weeping and wailing in repentance. I don't know his name. I have not seen him since. The good news is, as far as I know, that old boy got saved that day. But can I tell you, what would have happened if I had gone over and said, excuse me, sir, I can't believe you'd be such a lowlife as to try and desecrate the auditorium at Grace Baptist Church by wearing a ball cap. Would you please take it off or get out? For you see, we say, come as you are. There's not a hooker in Evansville that, wouldn't be, that I wouldn't welcome in this place today. There's not a lost man, woman, boy, or girl in this town doing anything that would, shouldn't, that should not, not be welcomed in this place. But there are those who say, come on, come on, my church, we'll, we'll love on you. Y'all get that because that's what happens to the hardened heart. And there's that oblivious heart that has no clue what lies ahead if they die without Christ. There, is, there are those oblivious hearts that say, listen, man, I am living my best life now. Things are good. I got my booze. I got my pill. I got my porn. I got my this. I got my old lady. I got my dog. I got this and that and the other. Can I tell you, all of those things will pass away and only Jesus is eternal. And I believe it is our duty to be warners and not judges. Y'all know the difference, right? A judge is someone who says, I don't like what you're doing. A warner is, God does not like what you're doing. Parents, if we're allowing our children to live this alternative lifestyle and do things on their own, listen, we don't need to judge them. We need to warn them because God has said, adulterers and fornicators and all of this will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And if they cannot, please listen, church, if they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, that means the only alternative is a place called hell where they will be uh, separated for eternity. I, I couldn't tell you how many billions of people are in hell today, but you know what? Not a single one of them knows that anybody else is there. It's a place of complete separation where torture is just that, that nails on the chalkboard thing, the gnashing of teeth. Beloved, I believe we have a responsibility because we all know somebody that has a hardened heart. We all know somebody whose heart is oblivious uh, to the things. And I, I assure you that the seed of the gospel will not flourish in that place. Because the Bible says that's where the, the, the bird or the evil one will come and destroy that seed Regardless of the reason some have hardened their hearts toward the gospel, the seed cannot take root 
The Bible is clear. The devil will pluck it up and destroy it. And there are those who have never been hurt by the church. They've never seen the garbage that goes on inside and outside. And yet their, their hearts are hardened and oblivious because, guess what? Sin is fun for a season. Y'all get that, right? Sin is fun for a season. But I'm grateful that for my season, it was only 19 years and on October the 20th, 1984, God found me in the very back pew of Viney Fork Baptist Church. I was only there because I was chasing the preacher's daughter. And I got saved and I ended up with the deacon's daughter. But on that day, I, I didn't understand it all. I didn't know uh, any eschatology. I didn't know any church history. I didn't know any church doctrine other than the fact that I was convinced that day through the move of the Holy Spirit of God that if I were to die without Christ, I would bust the gates of hell wide open. And the pastor and uh, Brother Jim Armistead and Carlton, one of the deacons, Carlton Price, took me to the, led me to the altar. I couldn't even leave that day. They took me to the altar and they explained that to me, the gospel to me one on one. And up to that moment, I didn't care because I had my mind on one thing and one thing only, and that was that little blonde preacher's daughter. But that day, that day, sin lost its allure for me. Now, please understand, from that day forward, I am still a sinner. I've blown it this morning from the time I got up to the time I've stepped into the pulpit. I've sinned against God. A lady stopped, and, and I, I seldom ever give money if somebody asks, but a lady stopped us when we were coming out of the donut shop, and she said, do you have a couple of bucks or a couple of dollars I could have? And I reached in my wallet, and all I had was a 20, and I'm thinking, well, you know, that's lunch. Uh, what am I? And anyway, I gave, her, I, I gave her the 20, Ron, but here's what I told her. I said, lady, that money belongs to God. It's not mine, and it's not yours. And if you waste it or misuse it, I pray a pox on you. You ask Annalisa after the service. The woman went away weeping. I pray she went away weeping because of the blessing that God allowed Annalisa and I to be, and not that she was weeping, Ron, that there's a pox going to fall on me. But what used to entertain us should appall us. And that's the issue today in a heart that's oblivious because they've never been changed. They've never been washed. They've never been regenerated. They've never been vived. You know, we have revival meetings, and I've shared this with you before. Uh, you can't revive something that's never been vived in the first place. And so let's move on. Uh, number two, I want you to see that a troubled heart produces the shallow roots. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Can I tell you this morning, in my life and in your life, the way you and I handle the trials and tribulations of life speak volumes about where we are rooted. 
It speaks volumes of how deeply we are rooted. Uh, Junior Hill, great evangelist, great vocational evangelist. Uh, that guy, I tell you, if he's still alive, he's got to be about 110 now. Uh, years ago, spoke at uh, Southern Seminary, and I've seen him in revival meetings since. But one of his great bylines is that instead of you and I being five miles wide and an inch deep, we ought to be five miles deep and an inch wide because it is the roots. That sycamore tree that I'm talking about, it is still there today with probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of lead and steel in it, and yet it has healed itself. The bark has grown over, the skin has grown over, and it is still there today because it, the roots run deep. I want to tell you, these are some tribulation days for Grace Baptist Church at the departure of our pastor. And I tell you with all of my heart, I'd say this in love, the future of the church will be dictated on how deep the roots of the family of God run in this place. Because there will be some that will leave. I pray that doesn't happen. Because this is just a little storm compared to eternity. This is just a hiccup in the road compared to what lies ahead for the church and for the believers. Can you imagine? I, I still believe with all my heart, Grace Baptist Church has never yet seen its greatest days. We've seen some good ones. Oh my goodness, we've seen some great days. We've had some great leaders. But I believe our greatest day still lies ahead. And how we handle trials and tribulations will dictate, will show how deeply the gospel seed is, is planted in our hearts. And some of you are looking at me kind of strange this morning. I don't have my glasses on, so it's kind of fuzzy, so some of you may look strange anyway. But now I forgot my point. See, that's what I get for making fun of you. Uh, oh, that's what it is. I don't know if this is news to you or not, and you ought to write this down, but trouble is going to come in the life of the believer. And I would submit to you this morning, the closer we follow, the more we follow, the more we sell out to Christ, the more the tribulations and trials of life will come. Because when you and I are standing firm, loving God, following God, working in our heart that it's a place where the gospel message will take root, uh, the devil hates that. One of the things Robert brought up, the horses that I had when we were here, and, and I loved horses, and I don't think my body would allow me to ride today, but uh, here's, here's what I found out. When there were, there were times that those horses would get too much of my time, y'all understand that, right? Y'all know what I mean by that? And when my attention was focused more on the horses and, and not as much as on the ministry that God had called me to, I want to tell you, every time those horses would come up lame. And so I want to tell you, trials and tribulations are going to come. And so as, as we're gathered this morning, let me tell you, if you're in the, there are only three places in life that you and I ever find ourselves, either in a storm, just coming out of a storm, or getting ready to roll into a storm. And depending on where we are rooted, that will cause us to react or respond. And I pray that today we would respond. 
Trouble's going to come, and here is, our, here is our great message. Here is our great hope. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, Unto him who is able to do mediocre and half-hearted. No, it's says for him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you and I could ever ask or think. To him be the glory. Beloved, I want to tell you, I'm going to encourage you to do this my four weeks, and as I pray for grace in the weeks to come, uh, I'm going to, listen, you need to understand that the moment the next pastor of Grace Baptist Church steps in on the field on his first day, you all better love him like he's always been a part of God's plan because he has always been a part of God's plan for Grace Baptist Church. And you love him and support him, pray for him, lift him up because he's going to be in a time of tribulation because he's going to uproot his family from someplace and he's moving, he's moving to a town that right now he may not even know where Evansville, Indiana is. But I pray that we would understand that in, in these days of, of our madness, gladness, and sadness, we know and we believe that he is able to do abundantly and exceedingly above all that we could ask or think. Shallow roots will sustain us for a little while. But when trials come, we'll get blown over. Number three, I want you to see a distracted heart bears no fruit. Matthew, 20, Matthew 13, 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns... He is the one who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. These are roots that run deep to sustain life. They will, they will withstand the storms of life, but the things of this world distract that heart. Sports, money, Success, popularity, status, and just stuff. Y'all know what stuff is, don't you? If you? Listen, if you don't know what stuff is, I want you to run past Pastor Ray's house sometime and ask him to open the garage door. You're going to see some stuff. But stuff is temporary. Annalisa and I have uh, six years, 11 months, and 23 days until I can retire. Not that I'm counting. And our, our plan is to move in to our motorhome and be full-time RVers. That's our plan. So here's what we've begun doing. We, we started this, what, Annalisa, a couple years ago? We've started downsizing. And we're, listen, honey, we're getting rid of some stuff. We had stuff in a back room, uh, Wanda, that had not been opened in the nine years since we moved from Grace. It's important stuff, amen? Here's our plan. If what we want to take with us when I retire, if it does not fit on the motorhome, it does not go. But stuff 
can be a distraction. Wondering what people think about us can be a distraction. We can still be planted. We can still be, uh, we can be in that spot and we can be in, but man, all of a sudden this squirrel. I have a friend whose daughter is uh, into sports. She's into basketball and um, volleyball. And a matter of fact, she played volleyball Friday, or basketball Friday night and they got in the car and drove all the way to Franklin, Tennessee to be a vo- in a volleyball tournament yesterday morning. And this young lady is a fantastic athlete. She is a, ball po- a basketball player. She's phenomenal. She's, a, she's big, long, lanky, skinny, makes a great, big, you know, makes a great volleyball player. And she, would be, she is a fantastic player. But you know what, what her biggest problem is? What people think about her. It's a distraction because she worries about what people, will, what people think about her. So that can be a distraction. I want to tell you, there are times that we don't share our faith because of what people might say about us. Oh, that God would give us the roots that are deep enough to say, I don't care. I don't care. I remember when we were here, Brother Donnie Davis and Dave Hendricks went to visit a man, and he pulled a gun on him. Donnie, you remember that? (laughs) If you don't, you should. I don't care if somebody pulls a gun on us, because you know what? The guy that pulls a gun on us, he's just a one-way ticket home. But oh, that our roots would be deep enough to sustain us, that the distractions of life would not cause us to have a heart where the seed of the gospel could not grow and grow substantially. Now, please understand, there is nothing wrong with the things that I mentioned. You all understand that, right? There's nothing wrong with riches. There's nothing wrong with stuff unless you can't move around in the stuff. There's nothing wrong with popularity. I love to be liked. I hate to be hated. I hate not to be, I hate it that, no, that if there's somebody that doesn't like me. I'm the nicest guy you know. But these things in and of themselves are not bad. But it is, as long as we maintain all of that in the proper perspective. And the reason it's important to realize all of these things will pass away one day. One of the things that I hold dear in our home right now, and I have for quite some time, is our dining room table and the big hutch that come with it. Um, it's nothing fancy, but it was my mama's and we still use it. We still keep it covered up with a, with a nice tablecloth. Annalisa changes those things seasonally. And, uh, I already know that unless I get really creative, it's not going on the motorhome. But I, I, I enjoy sitting there. But the thing is, we've had it, my mom died in, 18, in, in 08, she bought it about five or six years before that, so it's getting a little age on it, and the chairs are beginning, the rungs are beginning to pop out of the chairs, and, and I'm so lazy that I haven't fixed them, so Annalisa just keeps rotating them out of the mix. My mom paid a lot of money for that thing when she bought it new, and it's falling apart. Y'all get what I'm saying? Y'all understand, right? Things fall apart, things deteriorate, things go away. But the seed of the gospel planted in a heart that is receptive lives on forever. 
That's why we must pay attention to where we are and, and in whom and where we are planting the seeds and especially planting those seeds in our lives. Unhealthy, distracted, one author wrote, unhealthy, distracted soil is not a place for seeds to grow and definitely not a place to find healthy fruit. Lastly, number four this morning, I want us to see that fertile heart that sustains life. Matthew 20, 13, 23. But he who receives the seed in good soil, he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. This is a heart, number one, that accepts the gospel message and does whatever it takes to nourish it, to prune it, and to fertilize it. Week number three of this series is talking about pruning. And you know what? All of us, at some point in our lives, we need to do some pruning. I'm sure I told this story when I was, well, matter of fact, I'll save that story till, that, till, till week three. But we all, and it's painful sometimes, Amen. Because sometimes there are people we need to cut off from our lives. Amen? Sometimes there are things we need to cut off in our lives. And we'll talk about that more. But this is a heart. This fertile heart is one where the gospel message is, the seed is planted. It is nourished. It is fertilized. It is, it is just taken so good and care of. Annalisa has had, she and I are the world's worst. If you have a plant that you've had and it's been healthy and it's lived for 50 years, if you want to kill it, send it to me. <laughs> but we had a plant, and I don't know what it's called, but it sat on a table that Will built for us in the, where our living room is now, and it had grown uh, vines off of it that were probably five or six feet long. And it lasted a long time by the regular standards in our house as far as plants are concerned. A couple, a few, a month or so ago when we started doing some downsizing and moving the house around a little bit, uh, this thing had breathed its last and we put it away. But I, I, I say that to say that for however many years, we at least kept it alive by putting water in it and every once in a while putting some fertilizer in it. Can I tell you the fruit of the gospel, the seed of the gospel in our hearts and in the hearts of people that we need to share it with, it needs to be cultivated. And that's when you and I are talking to one another, loving on one another, uh, encouraging one another, especially in these days of uncertainty and, and knowing what's going on. Man, listen, I can't be here every day, but you've got other church members that are going through the same thing you're going through. Would the seed of the gospel in that, in that particular situation drive us to one another to help find encouragement and strength and understanding and healing uh, in these days. That, that, heart is, that heart is open to the truths of God and the transforming power of the gospel message. Brother Frank Worthington, I'm sure I mentioned him here before, but Brother Frank um, pastored the Ross Baptist Church in Gary, Indiana for more than 40 years. Uh, he forgot more about good preaching than most preachers today will ever know. And Brother Frank has since gone on to be with the Lord, but he was talking about a young man, sharing about a young man that he had baptized. A young man had gotten saved in his church, and he baptized him. And the next Sunday, uh, the young man comes back, and he, he comes, and he finds Brother Frank. And he says, Brother Frank, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, man, all, all my friends are making fun of me. 
My family's making fun of me that I got saved. They're calling me Holy Roller. They're calling me Holier Than Thou. They're calling me Saint Boy. They're calling me all of these names. I, and these are guys that I grew up with. And this is family that I love and that loves me. And on and on and on. And Brother Frank asked him, because if you know much about uh, people, this is usually the point where the young man says, I'm, I, I won't be back to church. Brother Frank asked the young man, what are you going to do? And he said, "All the only thing I can do is make new friends. Can I tell you, the truth of the gospel is sometimes transforming. Well, it's always transforming. And it'll transform us from friends that are toxic, to use the word, you know, the, the word of the day with the woke society. Friends that are, listen, it'll transform you from friends that are no good for you And it'll turn you around to share. And if the gospel is planted right in your heart, you're going to turn around and you're going to invest your gospel seed in that man's heart and that woman's heart. And oh, that God would find a fertile heart there because you and I have been faithful here. It's a heart that accepts the transforming power. It's a heart that that doesn't experience, that does experience growth to the point that people around you see something different. When I got saved, one of the things that drew me was the Price family. They had, they had several family members die. They weren't the richest people around. Uh, and Carlton and Helen, they were the youth leaders um, there, and Nick, you'll appreciate this, they were the youth leaders at the church, not because God had called them to be the youth leaders there at the church, but because they owned a van. And you all understand how important a van is to youth ministry, amen? But there was something about them. There was something about my pastor uh, that didn't make a lot of money, that was in a little old rural church. There was something that God was so relevant and so present, beloved, in their lives. I saw something that I wanted. And I'll tell you, if you and I are living our lives as we should, if if we have that fertile heart of the gospel like we should, People around us are going to see something different about us. And I think I shared this with you when I was back here in June. As believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, as sold-out, blood-bought, baptized believers, we are not better than anybody else, but we are certainly better off. Because I'm no better than than the, the worst drunk in Evansville, but I'm better off because one day I'm going to heaven. And if you and I, listen, this is where you're going to, this is where some people are going to check out. If you would go back to the day before you got saved and remember what your destiny would have been, that ought to spur us to go to that drunk, to go to that single mom, to go to that guy, that lady that crossed the street and asked us for money this morning. We ought to go to those folks and be able to share with them if the gospel message is fertile here. We need to go to them and say, listen, I'm not judging you. I'm just warning you. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what God did for me. Here's what He'll do for you. And oh, would you just give Him an opportunity to do it. It's going to be outside of the norm for grace, and it's okay. But uh, one week, and it may be next week, I'll get with, with Nick. There's a video I want you to see. 
And if you're on the internet this week, I want you to, uh, and we'll just plan to do it next week, uh, but I want you to go on the internet this week and look up a young Christian singer by the name of Ann Wilson. Some of you may know Ann Wilson. Ann Wilson has a song, and she has several songs, but the first song I ever heard is a song that entitled, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. And next week, uh, the, the theme is, this week is planted, next week is grow. And I believe this will be a very fitting song for you and I to listen to. And when, as we make the decision to grow a little deeper than we already are, I pray that this song would, and it simply just let me tell you about my Jesus, what he's done for me, he'll do for you. And I pray that it'll be a blessing. But as we go this week, would we go, would we, from this moment, would we look inward and see where the gospel seed is planted in our heart? This morning, if you're here and you have never asked Christ to save you, if you, if you see this on video, if you've never asked Christ to save you, if you die right now, you'll bust the gates of hell wide open. And it's, the, the acceptance of Christ is the easiest decision we ever make. The hard part comes when we step out the four walls of the church and have to live that life. But ask these questions. Is my, do I, is my heart indifferent to the gospel message today? Have you given any thought to what happens if you die without Christ? Number two, are you saved but the cares of the world keep you troubled. I don't know about you, but the political system in our world troubles me. When you have to take 15 votes and do all these backroom deals to get two votes, and you promise a man that over the next 10 years you'll balance the budget and you know good and well you're not going to be in that seat for 10 years, yeah, that's as political as I need to get today. The social order in our time, in our country now, troubles me. But I'm grateful that the roots are deep. Are you, are you saved but distracted by money and things? Or is your heart that fertile, nourished ground where the weeds have been plucked out, the seed is there, and you are growing in kingdom knowledge and service? Jesus said in John 14, 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Today, Where's your heart? What's planted in your heart today, church? Lost person, if you're here or joining us online, where's your heart today? There are only two hearts, the saved or the lost. And we live in a town where I know there are lost people. We live in a state where I know there are lost people. We live in a nation where I know there are lost people. We live in a world where I know there are lost people. And that's one of the great things about Facebook. I'm not plugging them, but I'm just telling you, somebody in Africa today can see this message. Somebody in New Albany, Indiana, somebody in Martinsville, somebody in Evansville can see the message today. And so let me just ask you one more time. Where's your heart today? How, how is the seed of the gospel planted in your heart today? 
If it's not planted at all, if you have that hardened, oblivious heart, let me tell you, it's as simple as the ABCs we teach our children. A, we admit that we're sinners, and we're all sinners. If that's news to you, see me after church, and I'll share with you why. We need to believe that Jesus is God's son and that God sent his only begotten son to die for us, which he did. And then we need to confess him as Savior and Lord of our lives. And for the believers in the room this morning or on the internet, that confession, if the seed is planted right, that confession is going to come as easily as we confess our favorite restaurant. It's going to come as easily as we confess how great our grandchildren are. It's going to come as, and conf- should come as a confession as easy as apple pie, sweet by and by, hallelujah, amen. But it depends on what's, how our hearts, how the gospel message, the seed of the gospel message is planted in our hearts. Father, this morning we love you. And I thank you for the day and I thank you that the gospel seed was planted.